2: That moment when the sun peeks over the horizon, when the sea breeze kisses your cheeks, when the sun's rays warm your soul, when you're grateful to be right here, right now, that's the moment you know that the little things in life are the big things. Massachusetts, take a moment. Plan your getaway at visitma.com
3: phones, watches, doorbells, devices keep getting smarter, and so do cybercriminals who could hack certain devices like your smartphone or steal your info over public Wi-Fi, even if it's password protected. Norton 360 has multiple layers of protection for today's evolving cyber threats. Plus, Norton is the most awarded consumer security brand by PC Magazine. No one can prevent all cybercrime, but everyone can save up to 66% their first year at norton.com/news. Opt in to cyber safety
4: The old world is dying. The new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. With those words from Gramsci, I welcome you to the Time of Monsters podcast, hosted by The Nation magazine and available wherever you can listen to podcasts. Last week, we took up the issue of the uh, long-running podcast. monster uh, dating back to the 1990s of the debt ceiling, uh, which is a weapon used by the Republicans to force uh, Democratic presidents to make cuts under the threat of uh, destroying the uh, global economy. Uh, And uh, we talked about uh, with Jeff Hauser of the Revolving Door Project about various methods um, that the Biden administration could um, uh, actually fight the Debt ceiling itself, not just a political fight with the Republican Party, but to delegitimize this instrument, which um I think there's a very compelling argument, is like unconstitutional, uh, makes no sense, and uh, you know, um has to be gotten rid of just for the future governance of the United States. Uh, but the debt ceiling fight continues, and I think there there's divisions within the Democratic Party about this. Um, Joe Biden has kind of sent mixed singles. Um, and to kind of uh, talk about the actual you know, politics of this, um, I'm very happy to have on um, my old friend, Brian Boitler of Crooked Media. He's an editor-in-chief there, uh, and he runs the excellent newsletter, Big Tent, uh, which he writes for, um, which I will include in the show notes because uh, um, um, it's uh, one of the best sort of one-stop uh, uh, shopping places. If you want to get like you know, uh, um, uh, a broad overview of the week's news. So, Brian, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, it's great to be on with you. Yeah. So, um, I think uh, let's start with the Biden, um, uh, White House itself. Like, um, uh, as I, I sort of indicated, there's a little bit of mixed signaling just in terms of Biden has actually, you know, talked about the, um. Fourteenth Amendment as something he's like interested in, but perhaps just not now. Uh, uh, do, 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 what's your sense of like you know where the um, uh, Biden is on these negotiations?
5: Um, well, so I, I think that there were sort of fateful moments both at the at the beginning and, and now that uh, we're nearing the end. At the end, um, the as to the Fourteenth Amendment, that's sort of a, I, I think that. Joe Biden has this um, out right, like like the Constitution basically says that the debt is inviolable. So that would render the debt limit statute itself unconstitutional, and he could just say there's no actual issue here, or there's there's nothing for no no leverage for Republicans to extort us with because the the tool they're trying to use is actually just invalid. Um, and then he could continue auctioning new debt and financing the deficit with that debt and everything uh would be fine he he seems averse to doing it for reasons that i feel like um misunderstand what his current predicament is and um what uh ha- how the the um consequences of invoking the 14th amendment would play out he's worried and and i think he's right to be worried that um, somebody would sue and say, no, actually, like your interpretation of the 14th Amendment is wrong. This, the, the debt limit statute is valid. You have to honor it. We should be in default right now. Let's go to the courts and have, have the justices, ultimately the Supreme Court justices weigh in. And he, so he needs, a, he needs a conflict for there to be a, a, a case in court. And then he needs the Supreme Court to, to find in his favor. And I think he's right to be suspicious that this Supreme Court isn't going to find in his favor, but he seems to want to have that fight sort of free and clear from the debt limit deadline so that if the court rules against him, it doesn't instantly plunge the, the country into default on the debt. Um, I think what he doesn't realize is that because the Supreme Court is filled with political actors, he should want them to be making that decision when the stakes of it are at at, at the greatest, um and that's now basically he should want to be in court basically right now (laughs) and and he should want the supreme court to understand that if five of the republican appointed justices say actually no the debt limit statute is valid and we are now in default and suddenly um all this debt is invalid and and um and you know you need to stop cutting checks to senior citizens, that that's going to be on them. That everyone's going to realize that Republicans went to the Supreme Court, asked the Supreme Court to ruin the American economy, and the Supreme Court did it. And I think they're much less likely to do it under those circumstances. Instead, he's decided, well, uh, since they're unlikely to rule in my favor, I better pay ransom to the GOP right now and then save that litigation for a safer time. Um, and I think that's what's happening in, in his head and that's sort of the advice that he's getting from his his legal experts.
4: Yeah, no, that's right. And I, I mean, I think one way to think about it is that the dilemma Biden is facing is fight or flight. And, um, uh, you know, fight being, you know, like let's make a constitutional issue of this and let's make all the stakes very clear. And uh, flight being like, well, let's negotiate with the GOP, make, you know, a uh, few um, concessions we don't want and let's save the fight for another day. Um, uh, so the and I think you you sort of clarified, like why it might be better to fight now. Um, uh, what, what do you think is uh, it's worth maybe teasing out the like thinking behind the instinct of flight, the thinking, the instinct of, you know, let's um, try to placate the Republicans. Let's wait for another moment to have the fight. Like, what, what do you think is like um, the underlying logic of that position?
5: i mean i uh i, I have s- certain misgivings uh big tent readers will know about the sort of quality of thinking in elite democratic strategist ranks um and so I think that there's uh just, just like sort of broad spectrum conflict aversion that that may be playing a role. I also think that Biden is like a you know he's a faithful steward of the government, even when I disagree with him, I don't presume that he's making his decisions without uh. Like applying basically decent judgment. And he is, I think, worried that Republicans genuinely would um, plunge the country into default. And that if he is unable to issue new debt, um, despite having hit the debt limit, um, it'll be catastrophic. It will be, you know, basically, I think something like 25% of all federal spending will have to shut off. Um, and there will be a lot of pressure to service. Um, actual debt, you know, uh, the Chinese government or um, or investors that uh, are, are are owed debt payments by us, um, and that means that there will be huge cuts to veterans' benefits, um, to to um, border security, which is an important political issue right now to senior citizens on Medicare and Social Security, and he doesn't want to put people through that, even if it it's only brief. Um, I I also just don't think he anticipated being in this position. Um, I think that he ended up with two conf- sort of conflicting pieces of advice about how to deal with Republicans threatening to not lift the debt limit. Um, the, the sort of catechism that I, the, I assumed Democrats were living under in the post-Obama era was no negotiation under any circumstances around the debt limit. Like you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want, but we're not going to have a conversation. And one day, if you just refuse to raise it, the country will end up in default and everyone's going to know it's on you because I'm here saying that's not negotiable. What you're threatening is something that is like negotiating with terrorists and we're not going to do it. The other option was to play cute, right? And say, hey, if you want to have a negotiation about the budget, why don't you tell us what your, what your, the cuts that you want to make are, show us your plan." um and so republicans did they sent him a piece of legislation that raised the debt limit but also had all these horrible cuts in it and i think democrats thought this is a this is like a really great trick because we're going to get to show the american people how unpopular the republican agenda is except when you do that you've validated the premise that you should be negotiating around the debt limit so republicans sent him their their opening bid and now you're in a negotiation that you said that you were never going to have and it's hard to get out of it once you've said, well, the pre- the predicate for any kind of negotiation is you send me your plan first. Well, they did. They called his bluff. And now then he was in negotiations that I don't think he ever wanted to be in. And that left him kind of scrambling for an out. And I don't think he's found one.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do think he's kind of put himself in a very exposed position. And I think one thing that you brought out in your writing um, is that uh, Biden's exposed uh, position is uh, making uh, some Democrats in Congress more bold, that they're trying to, like, you know, um, uh, perhaps create the spine that Biden isn't providing. Uh, and so we've seen some uh, movement there, especially like in the Senate. Um, and I, th- I think some interesting comments by uh, AOC um, in terms of the House, in terms of, uh, and some movement in the House as well, in terms of like Democrats saying, like, you know, they won't help the Republicans you know, get the votes that they need. So, so you want to like describe what the dynamics are in Congress?
5: Yeah. um, So I guess a good place to start is with the bill that I was just talking about, the Republicans Mm -hmm. passed. That included an increase in the debt limit. It also included a very right-wing budget, basically a bunch of spending cuts, cuts to uh, basically everything across the board that isn't military and isn't social security um and so that would be very onerous it's full of unpopular stuff joe biden celebrated when they sent it to him they, he started you know tweeting about all the horrible unpopular things that republicans are trying to force on the country but they got 218 votes for it right so we know that there's 218 votes for that plan um but that plan can't pass the senate so it can't get out of congress the debt limit can't be raised um the there's two alternatives to the republican only plan one is just a clean debt limit increase. Congress just says, we're not going to attach anything to this. We're just going to increase the debt limit so we don't default. Um, and that would also have to pass both the House and, and the Senate. The second option would be some kind of bipartisan deal, which is what Biden is negotiating now, where Democrats say, well, I guess we're going to have to surrender some concessions to Republicans in exchange for getting the debt limit increase. And the question is, which of those second two options is likelier to be able to clear both the House and the Senate? And what AOC was saying is that um, any deal that Kevin McCarthy strikes with John uh, with uh, with Joe Biden is going to need a lot of Democratic votes to pass, because he's going to lose a bunch of, of extreme Republicans who only want to raise the debt limit if they get everything they want. And so he's going to have to come to, to Democrats begging. And so Democrats can just say, we're not going to be a part of that. We're like, we are not going to help you guys extort us. I think the only problem with that then is that, well, that only leaves you with the clean debt limit option. And we know that every Democrat in the house will vote for that. And and probably every Democrat in the Senate too, but that's still, there's only like 213 votes. So you need five Republicans to, to agree. And I think the question is in the pressure cooker of like, you're approaching the, the deadline to increase the debt limit. And it's either you move on something or you default. What's, likelier to pass both houses the clean debt limit or the or the negotiated deal where democrats agree that they are going to give republicans some ransoms and i don't honestly sitting here know which of those two outcomes is more likely um but i think what aoc was saying is it's preemptive If, if if they come to us if the white house comes to us saying we need your votes to help get this passed um, that's essentially a form of caving because we actually have more votes for a clean debt limit increase than Republicans have for any other viable plan
4: mm-hmm. yeah I know it's like trying to take um uh, use some leverage from the simple fact that Kevin McCarthy doesn't actually have control over his own party that there's actually highly factionalized and th- there might be divisions there um that uh I mean I-, I actually think the larger point is I'm actually not sure like, when you're negotiating with Kevin McCarthy, who are you negotiating with exactly? Like, like it, uh, it's um, unclear to me. Like, if he has the votes for anything, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he does have the vote for you know the budget that they passed, but which Democrats would never accept, right? So uh, yes, he has.
5: He all he has is the votes. And the truth is, I'm not even sure he could get those 218 votes again <laughs> if it was uh, if it was like. Uh, something that was likely to become law because he only got the 218 votes by telling his own conference, don't worry about the details here. This is a negotiating position. This is an mm-hmm. opening bid. We just need to get it past the house. We, we need to clear it. So just vote. Yes. That, that's how they whipped it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I think a lot of the sort of Republicans in districts that Joe Biden won, if, if it was a up or down choice between that becoming law or not would say, no, 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 I don't actually want that to become law. And if 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 given a chance to vote for it in, in, in the heat of the moment, I think they'd say no. So I'm not sure any of the options actually has 218 <laughs> votes. Um, but but the but but the, the clean debt limit option is so alluring because it's very close, 213. You just need five Republicans. What, what Democrats don't aren't certain they have is any kind of forcing mechanism to make five Republicans vote with the Democrats. Because all of those Republicans will anticipate primary challenges. Marjorie Taylor Greene has already basically said that these will be dead men walking if they they side with the Democrats on the debt limit. Um, So when push comes to shove, it may just be that the only thing that will get the debt limit increased before the deadline is this surrender option that Joe Biden is currently negotiating.
4: Yeah, yeah, no. That seems like <laughs> uh, seems like a very uh, grim uh, scenario. Um, in terms of the Senate, like, do you think um, uh, what weight would you give to the fact um, that we're seeing more and more uh, members of the Senate like coming out in favor of the Fourteenth um, Amendment option? Like, is there uh, can the Senate be a, you know like a pressure point to push Biden on this?
5: I uh, I, you know, it's 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 more than it's more than a handful, but not much more that are have signed on to that letter. I think secretly it's probably a few dozen who wish he would just obviate this whole mess by by invoking the 14th Amendment. I what I wrote in in Big Ten, and I think it's true, is that if Biden had his hands around this problem and he was going to get his party and the country through it without. Well, you know paying ransom to the GOP without screwing it up somehow, uh, this letter wouldn't have been necessary. The letter in and of its, its existence and the fact that we know about it is an indication that that the Democrats who signed it are alarmed about where things stand um, and and think that if, if nothing intervenes to knock him off this trajectory, there's gonna be some sort of caving to, to, to the GOP to, to negotiate around the debt limit after Democrats swore up and down that they would never do that again um i you know nevertheless I, i'm glad that the letter is is out there and i think it would be good if if um pressure built and more and more democrats joined
1: Trying to find crowd-pleasing cookout snacks can be tough. Luckily, Dollar General, Pepsi, and Frito-Lay can help you have something for everyone. Frito-Lay's flavor-bursting chips and snacks add some classic crunch to every backyard barbecue. And nothing quenches quite like a crisp and refreshing Pepsi. Now through June 16th, save $3 when you buy one participating Frito-Lay Doritos, Cheetos, or Ruffles party-sized bag and one 18-pack of Pepsi or Mountain Dew. Stop by your Dollar General and let's make crowd-pleasers
2: happen.
1: This message comes from McCormick and Company, committed to enhancing people's health, their communities, and the planet. McCormick, healthy, sustainable, delicious. To learn more, tap the banner on your screen or visit mccormickcorporation.com slash futureofflavor. Phones,
3: watches, doorbells, devices keep getting smarter. And so do cybercriminals who could hack certain devices like your smartphone or steal your info over public Wi-Fi, even if it's password-protected. Norton 360 has multiple layers of protection for today's evolving cyber threats. Plus, Norton is the most awarded consumer security brand by PC Magazine. No one can prevent all cybercrime, but everyone can save up to 66% their first year at norton.com slash news. Opt in to cyber safety.
5: But what you would really want to see is enough democrats like 41 democrats saying we won't vote for a debt limit um where where we are the only side conceding policy um and then then it would be a a really tough situation because then biden would know that no deal could get through the senate they would be filibustered and it would die we haven't seen that and so i don't think that it's it's likely to play out that way another thing that we haven't seen is that there is a there is a um Parliamentary mechanism that Democrats could use to increase the debt limit in the Senate with without a filibuster, so just fifty-one votes and it's done. It would run through the Budget Committee. Um, The Budget Committee Chairman is Sheldon Whitehouse. There's been no indication that they're exploring that as an option, Um, and I I assume that means they don't think that they would have fifty-one votes for a clean debt limit increase. Um, So. I you know it the the letter is a nice gesture but it's really just a gesture at this point the like the the way uh we would know it if senate democrats were flexing their power enough to really alter uh the the course of these negotiations and we haven't seen it so far
4: yeah okay <laughs> um in terms of a <laughs> excuse me in terms of a big picture take on this um uh, th- I mean, I I think one thing is uh, um, like how Biden views politics, which I think um, is that he sees, as you indicated earlier, his role is to be a steward, is to, you know, like you get elected and you govern and then you keep politics. um, The actual politics of political combat is for election time. And that's when you like sort of uh, raise the salience of the differences between the two parties um and so the idea seems to be you know like we'll govern for now you know keep things under a stable uh, even keel and then when it comes to election time uh then uh you know we're we're going to raise all these terrible things that the republicans um have done and conversely i think the republicans have a very different view of politics. They see politics as something that's happening all the time. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a 365 day political cycle, right? Uh, That like, yeah, at every single moment, you're like leveraging for, uh, uh, to push your agenda and also to push your message. Um, So, I mean, uh, any thoughts on that? Because I think that some of the comments you made about, um, uh, you know, how they're hoping to that some of the stuff that Donald Trump has said, hoping to use them at the election rather than now, like it seems uh, uh, that's in keeping with this idea, uh, uh, this bifurc, um, this divided view of politics, that politics he, is, is uh, an election time thing.
5: Yeah. I mean, just as a, as a general matter, I think that when you have a two party system, if one of the parties has given itself over to pure partisan brawling, three, 365 days a year, as you put it, um, you're kind of left no choice. You should start to operate in the same way because it's a two party system. So politics is very zero sum and um, whatever uh, you lose is their gain. And so if, they, if, if they're kicking your butt around for say 300 of the 365 days, and then in the last 65, you start to campaign. Well, I mean, maybe you win the election, but what have you conceded along the way um, to people who are taking things hostage and making demands and trying to make everything dysfunctional constantly? Um, you, you, You are hobbling yourself by not responding to their provocations. And Republicans are just provocateurs at this point, almost exclusively. So there's the general issue. As as it pertains to the debt limit situation right now, I think what I would tell Biden if he asked me is that in this case there's no tension. Um, that that the that the question of whether Republicans are allowed controlling one half of one branch of government of the elected branches of government um, to uh, to hold the whole system hostage. On, until they get exactly what they demand or or only what they demand and no horse trading no give and take um like that's in the that that's an affront to the constitutional system and um and defeating it is not just good politics but it's part of what governing is it's part of being faithful to your oath is not letting them warp the constitutional system in that way. And if you're worried about it going to a corrupt Supreme Court, well, then what you're saying is you know that the Supreme Court is corrupt and that is also an urgent constitutional emergency that you have a stake in and you have a responsibility to address at some level. Um, and so you should be, you know, if not like eager and happy to have this fight with, uh, with the Supreme Court, then, but then resolved to. Um, because it's your it's your obligation not to let uh, Republicans with control of the House and five Supreme Court justices in their pockets to overturn the will of voters in the 2018, 2020, and 2022 elections. Um, that's crazy. And, uh, and assuming that just because it's confrontational and partisan to do it that way, that that, that means it's only political and it's not a governing issue. Um, is a very crimped view of governing particularly in the in the Trump era right in the in the modern polarized hyper-partisan GOP era um, like governing now isn't just budgets and health policy and prescription drug prices it's do we have uh, any any semblance of a functioning democracy anymore and if you give into this then you're kind of saying no nah, I guess we lose and I mean I don't think that that's very good governance. I think that's a that's a good basis for somebody to say, wait, we need we need somebody new at the top of the party. Uh,
4: Well, I was actually going to get to that because I think that uh, I mean, Biden is running for reelection. And I think he has a lot of goodwill just based on the fact that I think he achieved, you know, uh, a real substantial legacy just in the first two years. And the Democrats overperformed in the midterms, and so you know, like just uh, a couple of months ago, I, I you know, I felt that uh, Biden's uh, uh, position within the party is like unassailable. You know, their are concerns about his age, ah, uh, which are natural and uh, and real. But you know, like given what he's achieved, um, I, I didn't see any path to like any sort of challenges. But like, uh, how how does it all open up more? You know, doubts about. Biden as the leader of the party, the standard bearer of the party.
5: Yeah, I want to distinguish between should and will because I, you know, uh, it's it's a little late in the game. And um, yeah, it's
4: it's unlikely to and, actually. And, and, yeah, and,
5: yeah. Um, but um, what the reason I think that the, the, this is at least theoretically a breaking point moment or, or, or people in the Democratic Party might want to think about it that way. Um, is that is based on what you said before, is that is that prior to getting ensnared in another debt limit hostage situation and seemingly being on the cusp of, of making concessions in order to get the debt limit increased, there was just very thin grounds for arguing that Biden should be primary because he'd governed successfully with tiny, tiny majorities in uh, 2021 and 2022. Um, and then he, you know, the the midterms went much better for Democrats than even most Democrats expected. So other than like a crank like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, y- you know, you're not going to get like a, a credible Democrat to say, look, I want to continue what Biden has started, but I'm just younger and you don't have to worry about me keeling over and dying. Uh, so let's switch him out with me. Like, that's a really tough sell. Um, and I understand why no Democrat wanted to go out there and make that pitch, because it would have been a losing pitch and it would have been, you know, basically the end of the line for you, probably in Democratic politics, at least for a long time. Um, uh, I think that this mistake that seems to be that, that Biden seems to be in the progress, process of making changes things because now there's a genuine. um like bone of contention for a credible Democrat if a credible Democrat wanted to make it. Could offer is I understand Republicans better than Joe Biden does. Joe Biden's still laboring under some misapprehensions about Republicans that he's carried with him for 50 years. Uh, Republicans aren't like that anymore. I wouldn't have gotten us into this mistake. I've been onto what, I've been onto Republicans since they started doing this 12 years ago. Um, and fundamentally the party just needs leaders who are willing to accept Republicans as what they are and fight them on that basis. And that's me, not Joe Biden. I think that that's like a a genuinely like reasonable pitch for somebody who wanted to be president to make if, if, if they wanted to assemble the team and the money and, and, and roll the dice, it would, it's not frivolous. It's not nonsense. Um, And uh, you know, I, that doesn't mean that I think it's going to happen. Um, but I think that I, I guess what I should say is I think rank and file Democrats should be upset enough about what's happening right now to start pondering that.
4: Yeah, no, no, I think that's right. I, I, I'm i glad you zeroed in on this issue of like Biden's views of the Republicans, because I think that does get to some of the the heart of the matter. Um, and it seems like he has a uh, divided view of Republicans. That there's a part of Joe Biden that's a, you know is uh, very aware of everything that's happened under Trump and January 6th and afterwards, and you know sees Republicans as an existential existential threat to American democracy, and that's the Joe Biden that you know talks about MAGA Republicans, and that's the Joe Biden that like gave very effective speeches right before the midterms, uh, uh, basically elevating the issue of democracy and making clear that democracy is on the line, uh, but that. That's like half of his view of the Republicans. There's also another Joe Biden that you know been in a politics, national politics since the 70s, has nostalgic memories of you know well when he could work with um, uh, Bush Senior uh, on the America uh, for, with Disabilities Act and and other things, and you know like can find common ground with some Republicans uh, to make changes, and you know really wants that world back. And so it seems like um biden is um uh, uh you know toggles back and forth between those two views of the republican party between what he wants the republican party to be and what he actually knows it to be i i
5: have i, I agree except i have a slightly different interpretation mm-hmm. of the same set of facts um i don't think joe biden um like is amb- ambivalent about republicans and isn't certain whether they're good or bad or a little bit of both. I think that he realizes that um, that the Republican party of today should not be trusted with power um, and that he thinks Donald I, I'm sure he thinks Donald Trump is just an atrocious person um, and has and the party's remade itself in his image and that is inexcusable. But I think that he and many Democrats believe it is their responsibility in some sense to try to save Republicans from themselves, to pick out the good ones, Praise them for not being like full MAGA Republicans. Hope that you can kind of get something going with that faction, so that the country can see, including you know Republican voters can see that the um, the sort of extremist faction that now controls the party is a dead end, and there's just a better way. Um, and I think a, a more current and savvier view of things is that you actually just need to beat the party every single time and not give quarter to any faction of it until they decide that it's in their interest to change themselves. And, you know, the there was, a, 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 I think, a ribbon cutting ceremony of some kind recently, and uh, Biden was there and it was in a Republican, uh, like a quote-unquote moderate Republican's district, uh, I think it was Mike Lawler, and you know, Biden starts praising the guy. Uh, he's not one of those MAGA guys. I shouldn't say much. I don't want to get him into trouble, but he's like, he reminds me of the Republicans that I could work with. And even if in, in, in part of Biden thinks that's true, it's a, a mistake to volunteer it. Like, what has Michael Lawler done to deserve that? He has the same exact position on the debt limit as Donald Trump. He's currently trying to to mug Joe Biden, and Biden's here praising him. And I think that the the solution, it, I think it's totally fine to wish for a Republican Party that you could deal with on a good faith, upright basis, but you have to realize that this isn't that party, and so you just got to beat it and not try to hive off the elements of it that you think are good, because when push comes to shove, they're with Trump, they're not with Biden.
4: Yeah, no, that's, uh, I think that's right, and I, we aren't quite there with Biden uh, having that sort of clarity, uh, but I I think... Yeah, when we're talking about um, where this leaves Biden's position in the party, I, I think that the next Democratic leader, whoever they will be, is you know likely to you know have a much clearer, uh, more forthright view of the Republicans and and try to like you know uh, um, uh, see the advantages of making uh, partisan divide more clear. Like I think that's clearly where the party is going, even if Biden isn't there yet.
5: I think that's right. I mean, I think you see it in, you know, um, it's not really a primary challenge because she became an independent, but Ruben Gallego is mm. running against Kirsten Cinema for Senate in Arizona. She's one of these dead-end filibuster supporters. He is not. Basically, I, I I don't see in in the near future any Democratic primary candidate winning the nomination without being, for instance, against uh, without being for abolishing the filibuster right and so all the all the senate democrats who did well in 2022 are like filibuster abolitionists and that represents the party moving in this direction you know even faster than than Biden has um and i think that that's part and parcel of of what of what you're talking about is that when when next time there is a competitive democratic presidential primary um it won't be like in 2020, when there was mixed opinions about the filibuster and mixed opinions about whether we negotiate with Republicans or whether we should just, you know, try to govern on a partisan basis and say, "Hey, the water's warm if you want to join." I think across the board, you're going to see that uh, that all the people who run for president as Democrats next time will will take a harder will, will take a harder line view on Republicans, unless. Republicans have changed by then, which seems <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. Um. And, and 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 anyone who's like who who tries to win the primary on a um, you know, on a naive and antiquated uh, platform of reaching across the aisle blah 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 is is not going to do well. I. That's my expectation.
4: Yeah, no, no. I think I think uh, um, yeah. I mean, I think these changes might not happen as fast as we want, but I I do like there's a strong, there's a lot of signs that these are in fact happening. And I think that's actually you know um, I always like to end on a surprisingly optimistic note uh, <laughs> in these kind of dire situations. And I actually think that that is like one sort of uh, positive development that we can kind of conclude our uh, talk with. So again, Brian, uh, thanks for being on.
5: It was great. Thanks for having me.
2: That moment when the sun peaks over the horizon, when the sea breeze kisses your cheeks, when the sun's rays warm your soul, when you're grateful to be right here, right now, that's the moment you know that the little things in life are the big things. Massachusetts, take a moment. Plan your getaway at visitma.com.
1: This message comes from McCormick and Company, committed to enhancing people's health, their communities, and the planet. McCormick, healthy, sustainable, delicious. To learn more,
2: tap the banner on your screen or visit mccormickcorporation.com slash futureofflavor. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator